Welcome to the Club 46 podcast, driven by Bridgestone. I'm your host, Jay Crawford, and each week this season, I'll go one-on-one with your favorite Cleveland Browns players, both past and present. On this week's podcast, I sit down with one of the best running backs to suit up for the Orange and Brown, Kevin Mack. In addition to being one of the faces of the 80s Browns, Mack is in the top five in just about every team category, including carries, yards, touchdowns, and many more. We hope you enjoy our sit-down with the great Kevin Mack. Kevin, great to see you again. Thanks for taking some time with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jerry. The first thing that comes to mind when I see you is, how do you still look this good? (laughs) You look like you could suit up and go out there and play. Uh, Trust me, I just look like it. Um, Actually, I'm a little undersized (laughs) from my playing days. Sure. Uh, I'm about 207 now. And you played at? Uh, I played at like 230, 235. That's what I thought. Yeah. 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 Well, and minus the monstrous pads. Right, exactly. You almost did. You don't look like the same guy. The smile, though, gives you away. Uh, Thank you. Um, I want to start by asking, how is life for Kevin Mack? What what are your days like? How do you spend your time? Uh, As a matter of fact, I actually uh, work for the Cleveland Browns. Right. (laughs) Uh, In the alumni relations department. Uh, and if you've had any uh, experience with uh, NFL alumni, you know that's a handful. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's a great job. Um, uh, for me, fortunately, I, I get to see a lot of guys that I played with, yeah. uh, meet a lot of the, uh, the the older guys who were who were before me, um, and also some of the younger guys who are, who are coming into the league now, and uh, just getting to know those guys. Uh, being exposed to, to me, the biggest thing is being exposed to the older guys. They're, they're yeah. just incredible. You, know, you hear some of their stories and some of the things they went through. Uh, it, it's just unbelievable. You're a great person to talk to about this then because you're around today's NFL and you know so well the NFL of the 80s and the 90s. In your view, what's, what's been the biggest difference between today's football and when you played? Uh... It's probably the change in uh, how the game is being taught uh, at this level. Uh, how so? For for the group of guys that I played with, uh, it was more of like of a gladiator mentality. It, you know, you had to be tough, um, rough. You, you didn't back down. Uh, these guys are are being taught, you know, more smarter techniques, save your body, things yeah. like that. Uh, and like I say, we we were we were taught to just beat each other up. You know, it was you know, it was more physical for sure. Definitely physical, and you know, usually at the end of the season, it was who could stay the healthiest. Usually, it was the teams that ended up, you know, being on top and, yeah. and playing in the playoffs. Sometimes it takes a while for guys post-playing days to settle into their career, to settle into what it is they're going to do for the rest of their lives. What was the transition like for you immediately after leaving football? Because we hear so many guys struggle with that transition of going from NFL player to former NFL player. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's, if, you know, these days guys have a little bit of a learning curve that you have a lot more tools and things available to the them. The league gets involved and helps. Yes, exactly. Probably not so much when you were uh, Not so much when I was there. <laughs> uh, you know, we were still kind of feeling our way, you know, once we left the game. Sure. Um, I, for me, actually, I, I, um, I moved away from Cleveland, uh, lived in Houston for 14 years. 
uh, and during my, my time there, I actually did some coaching at Texas Southern University. Right. Um, actually helped a buddy of mine get a business started. Uh, and I saw an opportunity for me to, to be able to uh, come back here yeah. uh, with uh, the former GM, uh, Phil Savage. Right. Uh, he gave me an interview, and I was lucky enough to get my foot back in the door, which really helped me out. What lessons do you think you learned, Kevin, on the field that helped in your transformation to being successful off the field? Um, I don't know. You know, it's quite a few lessons to think about being on the field and, and playing. I guess probably for me, my biggest thing was um, being on the team that I was, you know, we had a lot of good players. I should say a lot of great players. Uh, our offense kind of changed and morphed over the years. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my role changed and morphed over the years, sure. too. So that, that was something that I had to take away. I was like, you know, even though, you, you know, you might want to be that guy, sometimes it's, it's good to change where there's not just one guy. There's like five or six guys. So would the lesson be change is constant, embrace it? Uh, yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. When you look back, um, and it's no one ever knows the exact second that it's over, but did you have a moment during your playing days where you said to yourself, I think it's time? And what was that if, if you had it? Uh, I don't think I really had that moment. You know, I think I even when... I, I decided to retire and, and, and move on. Uh, I really did feel like, you know, I still probably had, you know, a few more good plays in me. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's for, for probably most guys, you know. Right. Even though they've decided to move on, they still think they got a few plays in me. I probably got a few plays in me today, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe two. <laughs> I think you might. I think you might. Let's go back to the very beginning when, when you first discovered the game of football. How did you discover football? Who introduced you to it? Who were your influences? Um, I actually first started playing football. Uh, Pop Warner, so uh, 11, 12 in that age range. Yeah. I uh, played about two or three years of Pop Warner. Um, I had a really great coach back then. Uh, he actually taught me uh, to have fun playing the game. Mm. Uh, which was, for me back then, it was, it was easy because um, I came from a little small town um, and I could outrun everybody on the field. <laughs> <laughs> What's not to have fun uh, Right, that, right. right? So, uh, so did you know early, I'm, I'm good at this? No, actually because uh, after playing Pop Warner, I didn't play again until I was a junior in high school. Really? How did that happen? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I kinda did you got play other sports? Uh, yeah, I actually uh, ran track. Okay. Uh, so I got into that uh, what were your in events? junior high. I, uh, Sprints? I was a sprinter, yeah. 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 So uh, uh, 100, 200, the relays, right. uh, long jump. Every now and then I did a high jump. You know, yeah. Which I thought was terrible, but my coach just put, I think he wanted me to get in and get the points. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I had a lot of fun doing that. You know, it's a lot of really close-knit friendships in that in that sport. Yeah. Um, so uh, from junior high all the way through high school, I, I ran track. Yeah. How did you make your way back to football? Um, because of your success on the track? 
Yeah, uh, and then uh, we had a new head coach to come to our high school. He was looking for guys to come out and play. Um, I wasn't sure in between him and my sister, you know, talking me up. Little did I know that. She was talking you up to coach? To, to, yeah, to, um, to get back in and play. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know she had some communication with his coach and his wife and, and they so had they were some teaming up. right right so it's like okay uh my sister thinks i'm good i should you know so your sister and this new coach changed your life essentially pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. uh i decided to go back and uh and play um as a junior uh did okay you know and i think you know deep down i was wasn't really committed to the football part of it uh I always had the track in mind. I didn't want to get hurt and you know, right, all sure. this stuff just so I could continue running. Uh, and then my senior year, it just kind of went crazy. Yeah. <laughs> we, and uh, now you're on the map of national programs. Uh, so you end up at Clemson. At Clemson. Yeah. What's the story behind that? Why Clemson? Um, Clemson was, um, for me, they were smart enough to be one of the first, probably the first big school to, to recruit me. So it was loyalty? Yeah. Um, I went there, had a great time. People were great. It wasn't, it wasn't like it was a huge trip from my hometown um, for me to get back home to see my, my family and stuff. Sure. Um, it, it, was, it, was not, it was a nice trip. It was only like a two hour drive. Right. So I uh, got there. Fell in love with the place. Uh, the people I met, um, there were a ton of guys who were from North Carolina that ended up going to Clemson down in South Carolina. Yeah. So uh, we had a lot of good talent to come there, and I just kind of knew we were going to be good. You know. Did you have doubts going into Clemson that you could be the same caliber player at the collegiate level that you were in high school? Uh, yes, I did. Um, actually, you know, in that freshman year, which, you know, I had no, no knowledge of what college football was going to be like, especially right. at a program like Clemson. Um, uh, probably one of the toughest things I, my freshman year, toughest things I'd ever done in my life. Yeah. Um, what was the biggest difference, high school to college? High school to college, everybody, size, speed, everybody could run. Yeah. You know, so I, you were I not get there. Everybody right. I get there and I'm finding out, oh, he can run too. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that was a big adjustment. Uh, and then for me, um, definitely my size. Um, I got to Clemson at like 185. Wow. Coming out of high school. Um, my freshman year, I played a little, little bit of tailback, mostly special teams, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, my sophomore year, they moved me to fullback. And I'm going, oh, you guys crazy. <laughs> You're too small for fullback. Like, yeah, you know, as a senior, I was a buck 98 as wow. a fullback. Uh, but I had gotten into the practice and and gotten used to the, the, the physicalness. You weren't of the, afraid of to block. Game. No, no, not at all. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of grew into it. Yeah. It grew into it. And it continued once I got here in Cleveland. Some of our younger viewers may not, they, they know Clemson now as a college football power. But they had some lean years before they became a power under Dabo. But when you were there, 
they're in a very similar place then that they are now. Yes, we were. You guys <laughs> had a ton of success, but there was also some heartbreak there. Yeah. Talk about your time in Clemson, both individually and collectively as a team. Uh, um, the first year, probably, you know, for me, that was that hard, my hardest year. Um, as a team, we went six and five. And I was started questioning, okay, <laughs> did I make the right decision? <laughs> did I come to the right place? Um, but we went into our off-season program. Uh, we all worked hard as a team. Uh, our coaches, you know, they vowed to, to, to put us in the right positions mm -hmm. and, and make sure we would be a better team the next year. Um, we knew we had talent. Um, I think we were just still all trying to grow into it. And my sophomore year, we just exploded. And everybody looked at us like, who are these guys? Were you surprised by your success? Uh, as a team, yes. You I won the I national was. championship. Yeah, we won the national championship. But I think our whole team at, at some point during the year was looking at each other like, oh, are we really this good? Wow. I mean, we were undefeated. Um, it, it was just unbelievable. And we beat probably one of the biggest programs in the country that year to win a national championship, uh, which was Nebraska, and people just couldn't believe it. It was stunning. Yeah, they couldn't believe it. So you're watching this current run with a huge smile on your face. I, I sure was. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to rub it in, but uh, a couple years ago we had a, we had a, a, a game with Ohio State. You know, I don't know I'm in Ohio. People, people please forgive me. <laughs> That's but, okay. Baker did something against Ohio State that a lot yeah, of Buckeye I, fans I, I, will never forget. We love him now. So uh, I, I came in the next day wearing my Clemson gear. You know, people were just like, "What are you doing wearing that?" <laughs> <laughs> so you hate to rub it in, but here's my Clemson sweatshirt. Um, what do you make of Dabo? Uh, love the guy. I mean, he seems to uh, really be able to read his players, get guys to commit. Mm -hmm. uh, believe in what they're doing, the program is doing, um, it's, it's really kind of unbelievable how it, yeah. <laughs> the talent he gets on our own day in and day out basis is just like, wow. Yeah, they're legit. Yeah. It's not a fluke. Bridgestone knows you want the same thing from your tires as you do from the Cleveland Browns, performance when it matters most. That's why Bridgestone Dueler tires boast up to an 80,000-mile limited warranty, so they're in it for the long haul, because nothing says endurance like season after season of clutch performance. Bridgestone, official tire of the Cleveland Browns. Conditions apply. Log on to BridgestoneTire.com warranty for details. You finish at Clemson, had a terrific career individually, great team success. You came out at a time that was really interesting for professional football because you had the USFL, mm. which was the upstart competitor league, throwing huge contracts at players. One of them was Steve Young, yep. who signs like a 10-year, $40 million mean, contract. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he goes to the LA Express. And that's where you end up, out of Clemson. What was that time in your life like? Um, it was it was a little crazy. It was a little unreal for me to think that somebody was actually paying me to play football, um, especially the amount of money that the LA Express was throwing around. Yeah, I mean, we had a. Is that what drew you to the USFL over the NFL? Well, I think probably the biggest thing that drew me to the to the USFL was that. 
the fact that I hadn't didn't have to go through the draft. Mm -hmm. um, I was being given a great contract, just as comparable to the NFL, what they were passing out. Um, I had a couple of guys who, uh, I had one other guy who uh, was from Clemson, also on the team. We yeah. ended up being roommates. So familiarity helped. Uh, yeah, so that helped. Um, and probably the fact that I was going to be playing in Los Angeles, you know. Yeah, that doesn't hurt. I, I'd never been on that coast. What was it like playing with Steve Young? Uh, it was great. I mean, the, probably one of the smartest guys I'd ever met. Yeah. You know, um, he knew what everybody was doing, where everybody was supposed to be. Um, great talent. It, it was just unbelievable how he, he, he was uncanny about how he knew stuff. Yeah. Especially that time we were all coming out of college. Sure. You know, young guys. And it's like, okay, all right. Well, he, he knows what he's doing, you know, so we got to pick it up. You know? Yeah. Uh, the, the league made a splash. Um, and there were some that thought that they could make a serious run at giving the NFL all the competition they could handle. But you said throwing money around. Yeah. There was a lot of that. And the league burned out quickly. Yeah. And so the next year, you end up being drafted, I believe, in the supplemental draft. Supplemental draft, yeah. You come to the Cleveland Browns. What's going through your mind now knowing that, A, I'm going to wear orange again, but, B, I'm going to a new league and a new team all over again for the second straight year? Yeah, you know, that transition was a little, it was a little iffy. It was a little crazy for me because uh, I guess some deals were being made behind the scenes. People really, really didn't know about it. At the time, my agent really didn't tell me a lot about it because I was actually getting ready to prepare and go into training camp for the second season right. with L.A. Um, and then all of a sudden he calls me and tells me, hey, you've been released, go home, I'll call you in a couple of hours. Uh, and what did you think? I was like, I, I was just kind of shocked. I was like, okay, I've been cut, I've been, what's going on? Yeah. I couldn't figure out what was going on. Uh, he called me and told me, he's like, hey, go ahead and pack, uh, you're going to Cleveland. And I was like, Cleveland? <laughs> I was like, what's going on? He's like, Cleveland's going to sign you to a contract. And I was like, wow, okay. Uh, had never been to Cleveland before. <laughs> uh, it was February. I, so it's safe to say you weren't thrilled initially to know that you're leaving L.A., uh, going to a place that's cold and you don't uh, really know. Right, right. So I, I get here from L.A. wearing a members-only jacket. I don't know if you remember those. Oh, so, classic jacket. And it's freezing. And I'm like, oh, my God, what did I get myself into? <laughs> L.A. attire doesn't work here in <laughs> No, February. no, no. Uh, uh, Met with um, um, Mr. Corsi, Ernie Corsi, uh, Marty, all the coaches, uh, and immediately uh, kind of felt at ease, you know, um, thinking, okay, I think I found a pretty good organization here yeah. and that, that wants me. How long did it get to get you to that point where you, where you realized this isn't a negative, this is a good thing? Um, you know, the, that first year after coming in and, and just going through workouts and, and, and mini camps and stuff like that, wasn't really sure. Um, I think Marty probably was the biggest biggest uh, factor in there. You know, he's telling me the whole time that you're better than 90% of the guys on the field. Relax. Because you know, wow. he, he knew I was nervous. He's like, just relax, play the game. And he's like, you're better than 90% ninety percent of the people here. So. so did you have some of those same uncertainties coming to Cleveland that you had going to Clemson? Uh yes, yes, without right. a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, what was the moment for you where you said, Oh, I'm I can do this and be very good at this level here? 
It, was it in a game? Probably was doing a game. Um, as everyone know, me and Ernest Barney got to be really, really close. Um, you know, we, we would frustrate the coaches at times because we would, we knew each other's play, so we would switch positions <laughs> mid-game. Right. <laughs> you know, sometimes he was like, okay, you run this one uh, in all block, and I would do the same. And wow. And we'd get to the sideline, and they'd be like, what are you guys doing? And he's like, it's like, just relax. We know what we're doing. And, and it would work perfectly. Oh, it worked. Uh, it, it was just being with him. The challenge he kind of laid down, he's like, hey, you know, this is doing training camp. He's like, we're going to be the two starting running backs for this team. He's Ernest like, said to you. Yeah, yeah, he's like, so let's go out and work. And we did. I mean, training camp, it, I mean, off-season workouts. Uh, you usually saw us together working out together, pushing each other. Yeah. So he was your, he was your wingman. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you come into the league with some uncertainty, and you immediately, with Ernest, make history. In the history of the league, only twice prior, and only three times since, has the same team had a tandem of running backs go over 1,000 yards in the same season. And the, the first two sets to do it were pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they Larry were. Zonka for the Miami Dolphins um, was part of this team that was undefeated and, and won a Super Bowl, and Mercury Morris, also a legendary running back. And then in 76, the Steelers had Rocky Blyer and Franco Harris. Again, you're talking about legendary household names. And then there's you and Ernie both going over a thousand. Take us back to that time. Were you even aware of what you guys were doing? No, you know we we were just having fun. We had challenged each other. Each other. Um, Was there a competition? I'm running for more yards. I'm going to lead the team in rushing. No, we really didn't look at it that way. Yeah. I mean, it, we looked at it as as long as we win as a team, we didn't care who who got the most yards. Right. Um, That's rare. We just love pushing each other. It was, it was like a competition between yeah. the two of us. It's like, okay, you, you had a big run. It's my turn. Yeah. So we would go back and forth like that. Um, now, I don't think we either, neither one of us really had a grasp on what we had accomplished. Yeah. Uh, especially considering he got his yards on the last play of the game, uh, the last game of the regular season. To go over 1,000. Right. Yeah. So uh, I think that probably made it more special for us that he accomplished it with the last play, uh, the last game of the season. It was just, and we were on the road, so. And then you're hearing your name mentioned in the same company as Zonka and Morris and Blyer and Harris, and then you probably realized we're pretty good. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I I, I don't know. I even look at things today. I mean, he showed me a stat today. I mean, last year. It, it was like we were two guys who, with total offense, I think we had like 1,400 yards each, and it had never been done before up until um, the Saints, um, Kamara, and uh, yeah, those guys. just recently. Recently, yeah. And I, 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 sometimes I sit around and go, we do that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we do it. I didn't realize it, you know. But you know, it do was you, fun. It was do fun you fun. miss that? Do you do you miss the, the, just the camaraderie and and the challenge and being on the field on Sundays and having eighty thousand screaming for you? Yeah, I think uh, most guys will tell you. Yeah, they miss the the, the camaraderie, uh, being around their teammates. Uh, 
um, the pain and, and, and hits. I don't know if you <laughs> forget about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, th those are special things. You know, we, we as a team, you you uh, you develop and you learn different things. You have to go through different things together. Uh, the pain is part of it, uh, and I think that's what brings you closer together. Uh, I think right. the the things that we went through as a team definitely made us really really close. Uh, it's amazing how many team how many guys from the team that we were on are still here in Cleveland today. Yeah. And still a friendly group. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So that 85 season, great individual success, and it's apparent that Marty's put together this team that can run the football down anyone's throat. Yeah. And then Bernie starts to emerge. The 86 season happens after an 8-8 eight and eight, 85 and a playoff loss in, in the first round. When in 86 did you realize, okay, this team is different, clearly, but has a chance to be really, really good? You know, I don't think it really hit me until the next year after 86. Really? 87. I mean, I knew we were good. I, we had changed our offense. We brought in a new offense coordinator. Um, and we were just lighting it up. Uh, people were just... They didn't know whether we were going to pass it or we want to run it. They knew we could run it. Mm -hmm. They just wasn't sure about the passing game. But we had, uh, I think, Webster Slaughter came in. Right. Uh, so we we had some uh, some depth at receivers, uh, and we just kind of came together that year. I think we surprised ourselves. Right. And to be twelve and four and not really realize it is just kind of. It's kind of sick. You know? Right, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of sick. Yeah. These days you're hyped and everybody has you pegged for the Super Bowl. Right, exactly. You don't <laughs> sneak up on anybody at 12-4 yeah. now. Um, I have to ask you about one of the most memorable games in franchise history, and that's the 86 first-round playoff game against the Jets. It's at home. You're down 20-10. to 10. You get the ball around three minutes to go. And Bernie makes a couple of beautiful precision passes. The ball is moved right down the field. Just after the two-minute warning, you plunge it in from the one, blowing through whatever was there. And now it's 20-17, to 17 and the place is going nuts because basically there was flat line on the monitor. And all of a sudden, we've got a pulse. <laughs> yeah. Take us back to that moment when you crossed the goal line, spiked the football, and realized we're still alive for us I think as a team it was a it was a crazy game we were favored going in um, during the course of the game I, I I was I was frustrated because of the running plays weren't weren't there it wasn't happening it wasn't clicking like it normally would be mm -hmm. um, so I kind of had to settle for what I could get during the course of the game um, but as the game went on Things started to open up a little more. Yeah. So I started feeling better about myself. But one of the things, one of the things that kind of had me down in the dumps too, is like one of the first plays of the game, <clears throat> we had a bad quarterback center exchange. I jumped on the ball, and about four or five guys jumped on the on my back in the back of my helmet. So my chin strap broke. My face mask came up. Um, if you go back and look, you'll see I, I played most of the game. I got like this big red streak running down the front of right. my my jersey where I had knocked some teeth out and I couldn't take my mouthpiece out. So the, the team didn't say, keep it in, don't take it out, whatever you do. 
uh, ended up in the dentist's office after that game. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when we got down, scored that that touchdown, I kind of knew it was. I was like, it's not over. It's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we had too good of a team. We had done some great things during the course of the year. In, in my feelings was we just couldn't finish the season. Losing at home in in such such a manner it that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, it's like no, we're going to. People win this were game. running back into the stadium. Yeah. Kevin. I, it was amazing because I looked around and I was like, oh gosh, these people think we're going to lose. They were leaving. Half the people left. And then when we scored and the cheers started back up. About 10 minutes later, I looked around, I was like, the stadium is full again. Yeah. Like, what is this? this is crazy. You talk about the teeth being out of your head, but still in your <laughs> mouthpiece. Like, that's like everyday fare. Please, please go into more detail about that. What happened? Well, I, like I said, as I jumped on the football, three or four guys jumped on, on me, and somebody landed on the back of my helmet. It collapsed your face mask? So my chin strap just snapped. <laughs> so my face mask came up into my face. Uh, I think I had a couple of teeth that was knocked out. Did you know right away that you'd lost the teeth? I, I did not know right away. Uh, I, I, and this is, you know, I'm standing in the huddle. My teammate Mike Babb looks at me. He's like, he's like, geez, K-Mac, your mouth looks like hamburger. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, gee, thanks, man. <laughs> uh, so were it the trainers that told you what, what happened? Yeah, because they, they're looking at, first they're looking at my lip and how chewed up it was. Uh, so I open and I get ready to take my mouthpiece out. And as I'm pulling my mouthpiece, I could feel my teeth coming too. And they was like, nope, push it back. So I pushed it back. That's like. You can't take it out first. Played the rest of the game with the, the mouthpiece. <laughs> Standing on the sideline with the mouthpiece. Right, right, right. So, and what happens after the game when you finally so take after, it out? After the game, uh, you know, get showered, cleaned up. Shower with the mouthpiece? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I end up uh, having to go to our, our team dentist's office and, and doing some more surgery and stuff to get my, my teeth back. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other, Kevin, memories of injuries that sort of stand out? Uh, uh, yeah, my ring finger on my left hand. Um, we were playing the Steelers. Well, I can't remember what year it was. Playing the Steelers here in Cleveland. Uh, had, had ran the ball and tried to keep a guy off my legs by, by pushing, pushing him off with a stiff arm. So I did that. And after I get tackled, I, I get up and, and I had, my, had balled my hand up and and I'm thinking, okay, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> Something doesn't feel right here. So I, I look at my hand, and, and my ring finger is broken at the knuckle base. I mean, right where the hand starts. And it's, it's actually down and... Sideways. Out, yeah, so oh, nice. uh, I, my hand is closed, and my finger is sticking out like this. And I'm going, <laughs> okay, that doesn't look right. <laughs> And I start to the sideline, and all the coaches and everybody's telling me to get back in the game. And I just showed it to them, and they oh, I th thought they were going to puke. They all like, oh, yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, you, you got a good reason. Come on out the field. Uh, it, was just, it was just crazy. But it, the funny thing was, it didn't hurt until the doctor grabbed it. And I was like, Doc, don't grab it. He's like, oh, we just got to reset it. And 
he grabbed it and if anybody would saw me, it's like he's he's a big baby, you know. I laid and I kind of flopped around on the on the field out there. <laughs> and then next thing I know, he's like, okay, it's finished. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> they taped it up. They taped three these three together. He's like, all right, you can't hurt it anymore, so get back out there. Wow. All right. That was, the, that was the old NFL. Yeah. He's like, you can't do any more damage to it, Kevin, so you might as well go ahead. Easy for you to say. <laughs> and I did it. I was like, okay, all right. What was that like in the stadium on that last drive where you need the field goal to win, the defense does a great job holding a three and out, you get pretty good field position to start, but Bernie hits a big pass, and... At some point in there, I think everybody realized, okay, this is bigger than the moment. This is the avalanche. It's coming. Yeah. There was a play to, I believe, Webster Slaughter to the two or three yard line that set up the tying field goal. And Webster and Reggie are celebrating, and Bernie has to run down to get everybody. Guys, guys, we got the clock's ticking. We're out of timeout. (laughs) Right. What's going through your mind as this mayhem is unfolding at the old stadium? I'm, I'm sitting there going, okay. Get to the line, line up, you know, Bernie's getting these guys, he's getting them right. But you're right, a lot of people were celebrating like we had won the game and did not realize that the clock is ticking and we needed to, to at least kill the clock or run another play. Um, a lot of people, even, you know, in, in the stands, people are cheering. Uh, we were in the old stadium, which is, if you have never been in that old stadium before, uh, you get 80,000 people cheering and stomping on the rocking. bleachers. It's just, it's a sound that you just can't describe. Right. Uh, it was awesome. I mean, and just to see, once we got the clock, clock killed, to see Mark Mosley come out and kick the field goal. And he had missed a few prior. Yeah, he did. And it, it was just like, wow, okay, we did it. We At that point, when we kicked the field goal and won that game, I kind of knew it Maybe we are destined as a team yeah. to, to go a little bit further than, than where we had been making it to in the, like, the past couple of years. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately for us as a team, we, we just couldn't get past the Denver Broncos. Yeah. yeah. Just hearing that name, Denver Broncos, <laughs> what, what does that physically do to you when you hear Denver Broncos? You know, for a while, I, I, I just didn't want to hear. I didn't want to hear the – I didn't want to see anything that had Broncos on it. Uh, <laughs> You couldn't send me to Denver if you wanted to. <laughs> uh, it, it, you know, it was tough. It was, it was really tough. Um, but you know, that's you know, for some teams. That's how things happen. That things unfold like that. Where, you know, yeah, you're a great team, but just can't get past that hump. Yeah. So, um, but I think the best thing for for us as a team was that. We, we were all friends. We were right. friends. We stayed friends. There was no finger pointing at sure. why we lost games or how we lost games. Um, you won as a team and you lost as a team. And we're still great friends to the day, wow. I mean, which is unbelievable. I mean, we had an 86 reunion a few years back, mm-hmm. and we had quite a few guys to show well up. Well attended. Yeah. So Take us back to Cleveland, Ohio, after the double overtime win against the Jets. Now you get the Denver Broncos. What was that week like, that build-up to the AFC Championship game here in Cleveland? 
Uh, it was crazy. <laughs> it's always <laughs> crazy. Uh, <clears throat> Could you go anywhere without people wanting to talk about What's no, going no, to you couldn't. And, and, and I think for most of us, once we had, you know, got past a few steps in the playoffs, we 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 didn't completely stop going out, but we we kind of knew that we would have to pull ourselves away back from being out in the public so much because the people here in Cleveland were just so excited about the team being there. They had faith that we were going to win. Uh, and they just wanted to have a good time with us. And we were like, okay, you know, yeah. we got to win the game first. So we, we kind of pulled back from being really visible and being out a lot. Sure. Uh, at least I know I did. I don't know about the rest of my teammates, yeah. but I've heard a lot of them say they did. Um, it, it's, it's unbelievable how uh, the fans here are so excited about their teams and, and when their success happens for them. Uh, it's just an unbelievable feeling. Unbelievable yeah. how much pride they show in, in the sports teams here in Cleveland. It really becomes the biggest thing in their lives. Yeah. And for a generation of fans, they haven't had a chance to experience that. Perhaps with the group that's here now, that might be on the horizon. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I want to take you back to that Broncos game, painfully, unfortunately, where it appears that you're inside of two minutes of going to a Super Bowl. Yeah. And now you're helpless, like everybody in the stadium, except for the 11 guys that are on that field playing defense. How are you watching the drive? What's going through your mind as Elway is completing one clutch performance play after another? Uh, this can't be happening. <laughs> That's going through <laughs> my mind. Uh, it, it means I'm standing on the sideline looking, and I'm thinking, okay, I got 98 yards to go. It's not going to happen against our defense, but it does. Uh, it, was there a point in the drive where you felt like the Jets, when you guys were doing the same thing to them? Because essentially, that's what happened. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think of it that way after all these years. Uh, no, I never really thought. I just kept thinking, you know, our defense is better than this. You know, they can they can stop these guys. They're not going to let them go 98 yards, especially 98 yards in less than two minutes. Right. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to describe. It's hard to explain. But, you know, it happened. It, it, it happened. Um, I don't know how it happened, but right. it did. How long did it take, Kevin, for you to be, and I don't know that you'll ever perfectly be at peace with what happened, but at some point you have to let it go and move on. Where was that point for you? When did you say, I'm done with the playoff loss to the Broncos the first time? When, when was that out of your mind? Uh, I don't know. Probably, you know, for me, it probably didn't start until we had gone through our off-season workouts and were ready to start the next season. You know, probably going You were in, done with it then? Yeah. Probably going into yeah. training camp was like, okay, it's a new year, new season, all this in the past. Let's, Let's move exercise forward. those demons and be on with it. Yeah. So you fast forward the end of that season, and now you got to go to their place. Right. And it's as difficult to win there on the road in the postseason as it is to win in Cleveland on the road in the postseason. And late in the game, they're up a touchdown, and 
you had had a tremendous game. Ernest had had one of the most productive games of his career, and that's saying something. Yes. But between running the ball and catching the ball, you guys were basically in position to tie the game late because of Ernest's play. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, it's something that I've, I've said to people, you know, over the years many times. It's like they'd like to blame him for us losing. I was like, no, go back and look at the game. I was like, you can blame him for us still being in the game. Um, if he had scored, we wouldn't be leading. We'd be tied. Sure. Uh, With about a minute and change to go. Right, right. So. And it would be I, almost, okay, here we yeah, are again. Yeah, so I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying that, you know, a lot of things that people say, you know, try to point out is like. There, there still would have been a lot of football to, to happen. Exactly. Um, and Take us like through I said, the play, if, the, if, the, the fumble if, itself. If, <laughs> Well, actually, I wasn't on the field. No, so you were watching so like all of us. I'm on the sideline watching. Um, we had a uh, had a one back offense on the field, um, and I knew what the play was coming because I'm standing by the side. The coach is calling the play, and um, I look at the guy. I was like, Coach, I was like, I need to be in there. You might want to look. That's like he's a little tired. He's been, you know, look at him. He's bent over in the huddle. It's like I know he's pushing himself. But, you know, think about that. Um, say, oh, he's fine. I was like, okay. Um, so the play is run. I, I watched Bernie hand off to him. You know, he makes a couple of moves, and he's moving to the outside. Um, and it looks like he scores. And then all of a sudden you see this scrum of people, you know, moving around, and I'm going, no. No, because when you see people moving and jumping and stuff like that, you know the ball's loose. A quick change of direction is a dead giveaway. Yeah. Um, and all I could do was just look at him and, and, and see how devastated he was. Uh, wasn't really moving. He was kind of laying on the field. Uh, what did you say to him when you got to him? Hey, I just told him, hey, man, it's all right. You know, you played your heart out. So it's no shame. You know, nobody can blame you. It's like if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be in the position we are right now. Um, <clears throat> and how was he taking it? I mean, I, I know everybody told him that. Yeah. At that, did, did, at, did he listen? To that? Yeah. At that time, he wasn't listening. He wasn't. At that time, he he. I don't think he could hear very much. You know, I don't think most people could, uh, knowing that you know you just fumbled away, you know, a score, um, or just fumbled away the ball. Period. Uh, to the opposing team. Do you talk to that play about? <laughs> about that play with Ernest today? Have you, have you had conversations with him, or I don't bring you it up. let that sleeping dog yeah, lie? I don't bring it up. I mean, yeah. what's the point? There's no good in it. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, you're not solving any problems by bringing it up and talking about it, uh, at least you know, from my perspective. Yeah. What did you learn in, in those two defeats about yourself, about Kevin Mack? Um... That I don't quit. Um, I mean, in those two defeats, you know, one here in Cleveland, uh, one in one in uh, Denver. You know, you, you look at how our team played. We didn't quit. You know, we're not quitters. Uh, and usually, I mean, for me, I, I usually found out the later it got in the game, the better I played. Right. <laughs> so. Uh, Was that due to conditioning? Because uh, that was your trade. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the longer you know, longer game went on, the better I got near the end. So, uh, 
Have you had moments where you wished it had been you carrying that ball? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do wish. Yeah, hey, give me the opportunity. But you never know what's going to happen, though. Sure. So. so, no Super Bowl, and you're basically left to pick up the pieces again. And it's not just that you lost the game before the Super Bowl again. It was to the same team in a cruel, almost more heartbreaking fashion than the year before, right. if that's possible. Yeah. What it, What's going through your mind, and how long did it take for you to get that loss out of your psyche? <laughs> I think that one stuck with us a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't in training camp? Uh, no, no. <laughs> Uh, I think it's probably during the season somewhere when we when we thought we were going to make the playoffs again, and we go, we just hope we don't have to play Denver again, you know. So but that's in your mind. You're thinking about that's, it. That's that was my thought pattern, you know. Sure. I say, well, well, they have beat us twice, you know. We have to play them. We have to play them, but hopefully somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what does it say about Cleveland fans the way they responded to those losses? They certainly didn't quit on the Browns. No. Um, and they were right back in full force the next season, hoping that this time things would end differently. What did you learn about the fans of the Cleveland Browns during that time? That they love their team. <laughs> they love their team. Yeah. Um, you know, just being here in Cleveland uh, for as many years as I have, it's just been unbelievable to hear the stories from from people who, who were here back in the 40s, 50s, talk about the team, how much they love the team, mm-hmm. uh, how many years they've had season tickets, uh, is it, really incredible. Yeah. Um, if, if you're not from Cleveland, you've never been here, and you come here and you see a Browns game and you see how fanatical the, the fans are, then you realize this is a, this is a city who, who loves the team. Um, you know, perfect example is when the team moved in 99. Um, it, it was kind of heartbreaking for me. I was living in Houston at the time just yeah. to see that happen and, and see the tears and how much pain that the, the people of Cleveland was unimaginable was even it was. It really a was. handful of years earlier. Yeah, it's like, uh, wow. I, I couldn't believe it. It never crossed my mind as a, as a former player that uh, the Cleveland Browns would ever leave the city of Cleveland, right? and it happened, and then it, it was just, it was just heart-wrenching. And they come back, and there's been many lean years, and the fans keep, they keep coming, coming back. They keep coming. Yeah. What does that say? Uh, that, that shows you how great a fan base you have here, mm-hmm. how much they really love their team, and it's not just, you know, coming to the stadium to, to watch a football game. You know, they, they're coming to bond with their team. Yeah. And, Many of them do. What stands out to you about the relationship, the guys that were part of that group in the late 80s and, and during your time here? What, what most stands out about that group to you? Um, what stands out to me the most is that how we stay together as a team. Um, and a lot of people be like, what are you talking about? I mean, during the losses we had against Denver uh, in the playoffs or, or, or whatever other team, you know, we stuck together as a team. We didn't point fingers. Uh, even to this day, you know, you can get a group of us together. Um, 
We'll talk about the games. We'll never blame each other for anything. Yeah. You remember the wins and the good times, yeah. definitely. Yeah. You know, and I have people ask me, like, you know, what about your time here in Cleveland as a player? I mean, what was it like? Uh, and I tell them, it's probably the best football team and the best kind of football I've ever played in my life. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people don't understand when I first got here, you know, 218-pound rookie, you know, <laughs> not a lot of confidence. Right. Uh, and I just kind of grew into it and, and, and learned how to play the game at a different level and slowly but surely started growing into my role uh, as a player and in size, you know. Sure. I got a little bigger as, a, as, as I got a couple years under my belt. When you played in Cleveland, um, you guys were – a-list celebrities in town. You were the professional athletes. The Indians were in a rough spat, uh, spell. The Cavs had some moments, but you guys were the people that if we had run into you, we would tell that story for weeks. Where were you guys hiding? Where, <laughs> when you guys would get together socially and go do your thing, where were you? Where, where were the places that you would... Stop by in Cleveland. Um, you know, a few guys had a few different spots. I mean, different spots. Uh, probably the biggest place that most people knew we hang out, uh, hung out at was um, the Flats. Quite a few of us hung out at the Flats. I remember. Um, totally different people. I mean, people here in Cleveland today they talk about the Flats. Not the same. No, <laughs> it's not the same. Um, and I guess the good thing about about it for us was that we hung out as a team. You know, you never, you you rarely saw one of one or two of us together uh, there uh, by themselves. It was always a group of guys. Yeah. You know, it was about five or six of us together. Um, I think our biggest spot that we hung out, and this probably is going to weird some people out, that probably the biggest spot we hung out together, probably did our most team bonding, uh, was Great Northern Mall. Really. There was a. Uh, a Fridays at Great Northern Mall. Okay. So after our hard practices during the week, we would all, I mean, you probably have half the team in the place. Uh, you know, having a beer, you know. The manager had around. to give you guys your special corner, right? <laughs> you no, we, we were just kind of all over the place. It was, it was crazy. Um, but it was, it was funny. It was a standing rule that the last guy there had to pay the tab. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd want to hit and get. So right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, it happened to me once. I'm like, oh, this is not going to happen again. Did you, Kevin, have any, um, I, I hate to use this word because it comes with a negative connotation, but was there any rookie hazing that, that stands out to you? <laughs> what, what was the worst thing that you had to do as a rookie? Because the I've worst heard thing stories, that Kevin, to that curl yeah. most people's yeah. hair. I was, I was lucky. I Kind of got away with not having to do a whole lot of stuff. I, you know, I had to do. Of course, the vets would send us to uh, Bob Evans for breakfast. Uh, You'd have to go get their had, breakfast. Yeah, you had to get their breakfast Saturday mornings and pay for it. I mean, it's like, come on, man. It's like I don't make that much money. Uh, uh, I, I fell for the old uh, pump. Um, what's it? What's it? No. The, the old turkey on Thanksgiving trick. What's that? 
Well, we had this, they had this trick where they would tell the rookies that there was some turkey farm way out in the middle of nowhere. They give you directions. The farmer's going to give you a turkey for, you know, for the veteran player. So go get my turkey so I can have a turkey for Thanksgiving. So, but it's directions out, out, you're out in the middle of nowhere. It's like, and there's no turkey farm. There's no turkey farm. farm. Uh, That's like the that, we hand me the left-handed screwdriver. Right, right. So I think I fell for that one. Uh, so hey, you fell for it. Where did you end up? I can't remember. It was like nothing. It was just like in the middle of nowhere. I was, I was like, it's no turkey farm. When here. did what you did realize you'd been had? When I got there, there's no turkey farm. <laughs> so you 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 were certain that you just didn't follow directions properly. You were certain that they they, they yeah. Got, they, I, I realized okay, they got me. They got me. And, and, and for me, it was a little rougher because I spent time in the USFL. So guys automatically say, oh, you got USFL money. You can afford this, you know? <laughs> like, Man, come on. Give me a break. <laughs> was there a play but, for you, Kevin, where you said, I, I, a lot of guys say, you know, welcome to the NFL moment. Did you have a, a specific play that jumps out to you in your mind today, all these years later, where you, you can look back and say, that was the moment where I knew that I could be a Pro Bowl caliber running back in this league. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I ever really thought of it that way. I guess um, probably if I had to think, it probably was, I, don't, I can't remember which game it was. It was game two or something like that. Um, we went to San Diego to play the Chargers. And... Um, Second, third, I, one of the first few plays we had during the game actually broke a long run down the sideline. I don't know how I got through the hole, <laughs> but I was 60 yards downfield and I'm going, okay, how did I do that? <laughs> I, it was just the, and if you're not, you know, as, a, as, a, you know, as a player, if you're not looking at it from behind because, you know, there's a hole, I mean, a, a lineman here and a lineman here and, it's not much of a hole, but I went through the hole and I'm going, how did I get through that hole? Because I was sure it was going to close up. Yeah. Uh, at that moment, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I can do I'm along. Yeah. <laughs> was there a guy when you came into the league that you thought, I don't want to run into Lawrence Taylor or uh, You picked him. That's the guy. <laughs> that would be my guy, too. Oh, God. And it was funny because I played against him in college yeah. as a freshman. Yeah. And was I, he was I, he from the same area that you were? Uh, he went to school at UNC. Uh, UNC right. Was North he a North Carolina kid as well? He was. I think he was from Virginia. Okay. Uh, but he came to Clemson, and I'd never seen anybody play football like that before. <laughs> <laughs> I, the guy was sideline to sideline. I mean, he went from he made tackles like it was. I was like. I, somebody blocked this guy. You know, I'm a fr <laughs> freshman standing on the sideline. Somebody need to block this guy. And he's like, well, you want to do it? And I'm like, eh, that's okay. When you look back on your on your career, all as a Cleveland Brown, nine seasons, over 5,000 yards, I think I looked up 99 games and like 46 touchdowns. That's, that's a pretty good ratio. How do, you, how do you look back on your entire time with the Cleveland Browns? Because you, your role did change here. But you were always a big player in this offense. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I look at it this way. I, I was lucky enough to have them select me in the supplemental draft. Um, couldn't have come to a better place. Uh, the people, 
uh, not just the fans, but the people that I've, I've, I've gotten to know and, and uh, gone out to dinner with. And, and at a personal level, I've gotten to know a lot of people here in the city. Um, it reminds me a lot of home. So yeah. uh, it, it fits me. Uh, I know you're not from here, but you consider yourself a Clevelander now? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after nine years as a player and being back for 12, working in the front office, yeah, I think 21 yeah. years qualified me. It's official. Yeah. It, it's, it's official for sure. Yeah. What, what do you think drove you um, as a football player to be better and also as a man? What, what was it that, that drove you to be more? Um, for me, it, it, I've always kind of had a little doubt about myself and my abilities as a player. Uh, especially younger uh, growing up, especially when I got to Clemson, you know, when I started getting a real taste of, of competition, of, you know, you know the, the athletic prowess of different guys, you know, how better guys were, uh, how, how hard you had to work, you know, So you didn't like want to be average, you wanted to be extraordinary. Yeah, didn't want to be average. And then always having that little bit of doubt whether I could compete but that drove you yeah and all my coaches have always told me it's like you, know, you, sh you should never doubt yourself because you uh have more ability than a lot of guys that you're playing against yeah. <laughs> uh you know uh, just the you know for me i had to grow into it you know sure. there's something that that um i had to kind of push myself and then plus um you know back then i wasn't the biggest guy in the world uh I think I, I reached my full potential once I got here in Cleveland, and mm -hmm. uh, I got up to about 2.30, and uh, the way I ran the ball, people were like, oh my God, I don't want to step in front of this guy. It's a human wrecking ball. <laughs> right. You, um, um, you could do a lot as a player. You, you were turned into a fullback because you weren't afraid to hit a guy right. without the football. Is there one play that you would put into a video time capsule and say, 30 years from now, this is the play I would show when I would want someone to understand what kind of a player Kevin Mack was. Hmm. Do you have one single play throughout your nine years in Cleveland that comes to mind? Uh, I don't know, but I, I, I think there's you can a, think about it. We can the, edit the title, trust me. I guess We're okay with that. <laughs> and we can come back to that if you want. But I, I think it's important because for a player that had so many significant plays with an organization, if we asked 100 Brown fans, name that play, we might get 50 different plays because you were involved <laughs> in a lot of big game-changing moments. But I'm curious to know what that moment what that play would be that you're maybe most proud of or you think best exemplifies what you were as a football player because i have to think about that one I, okay. I've, I've had a lot of people That's comment okay. about one that i'll, I'll, I'll tell okay, you okay what's that one the one i hear the most about is um is a play that that we were running um it's kind of one of our base plays in um we were playing the steelers in Greg Lloyd blitzed. He blitzed off the corner. And I saw him coming. Bernie didn't see him coming, so he kept the play on. So I couldn't bail out because he was handing the ball off to me. So I had to make sure I had the handoff before I did anything. 
and the guy was coming. I, and I just made sure I was like, okay, secure the ball, put your shoulder down, and that's all I could do. And he dropped like a hot potato. <laughs> and people are like, oh my God, you knocked him out. And I was like, uh, no, I think he kind of did that himself. But I mean, I was completely defensive. But he got the ball, he laid there, and I kept going. You know, people, people, and they, maybe just because it was the Steelers, they loved that play for some reason. It's interesting because you were Mack Truck. That's who you were. <laughs> That's what you did. And if, it's one thing to run over an NFL player. It's not your run-of-the-mill NFL player. No, no, no. That's, that's a game-changing defender who makes it his job to make sure that he's doing that to the offensive player. Right, And right. here he is on his back, yeah, and you so run and pass him. That was always – it always brings a smile to my face when somebody mentions that. But I heard that one a lot. You do. Yeah. yeah. So I'll have to, I'll have to think about – I may come I back to that. Okay. Is there sadness? Was there was there sadness for you when you realized? Because I'd asked you earlier, was there that moment? You said not really, but when you finally came to grips that Kevin Mack, NFL player, is no more. W- take us through the emotions of that, the machinations of that decision, how you got there, and what you were feeling when when you stood before the cameras and said goodbye. Yeah, you know. Um... It was it, it was a little heartbreaking to, to you know say goodbye to the game um, um, and like we talked earlier you know back then I hadn't really thought a lot about what I was going to be going to be doing life with for life after football so um, thinking about how many other guys who I'd played with on on, you know, on all these great teams that that we had had already been released or moved on, uh, thinking I was kind of like one of the last few few guys that was was still around. Um, That's when you realize Father Time's undefeated. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I think that part is probably, was probably the, the hardest and the most emotional for me, you know, yeah. just, just saying goodbye. You know, I knew it was going to end. You know, you can't, you can't play the game forever. Um, Do you have any regrets as you look back? Is there anything you would have done differently? No, you know what? I've thought about that a few times, Jay, and it's like, I, I, at one point I thought, well, maybe I would have stayed, you know, the smaller guy, had more speed, could do this. Mm-hmm. No. It would have saved your body some wear and tear. Yeah, but you know, I, I'm doing okay. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. not, I'm not terrible. Uh, no, in you're doing bad fine. shape. And some of some of my uh, old teammates talk about surgeries and stuff they have to go through. I just kind of knock on wood that I haven't had to have. Um, any post uh, post football surgeries yet? <laughs> yeah, that which yes. is amazing. Yeah, considering so. you were involved in thousands of collisions that would cause mere mortal humans like us fans to pretty much quit after one or two of those, <laughs> and there you were for nine years taking your hits. Um, when you're playing, I've talked to a lot of players, active and former, and I'm so fascinated by this dynamic. Current players tend to think, well, this goes on forever. I'll always be number 34, Kevin Mm -hmm. Mack. Former players tend to say, looking back on it, I can't believe how fast that went. What advice would you give to players playing today about how to maximize the NFL experience? What would you do differently second time around? 
Well, I mean, that's kind of easy. I mean, when I first got back to the Browns, I was in player engagement. Um, now I'm in alumni relations. My thing from the things that we were uh, showing guys uh, as, player engage as a player engagement director was to pay attention to their money. Um, always kind of prepare yourselves for what's going to happen after football because you never know when you might get injured. Uh, I mean, it could happen in practice. It can happen, you know, at any time. You never know how long you'll be on the field um, playing this game, and it never lasts forever. You know? yeah. um, the NFL offers a lot of programs that that the younger players can. You know, get into, investigate different types of things um, that really will help them after the game of football. Um, things talk, that weren't there for you. Exactly. Uh, talk to some of the older vets. Um, usually those are the guys who have uh, taken the advice, started planning, um, started doing different things. Um, and it's still a little different, you know, today because, you know, a lot of guys already have that good knowledge and, and the agents and yeah. everybody are kind of guiding them into different businesses while they're playing football. Um, so they have a, they kind of have a head start there. Yeah. Um, but for the young guy who, who's just there and not really participating in stuff like that, they need to take advantage of those programs. Bridgestone knows you want the same thing from your tires as you do from the Cleveland Browns. Performance when it matters most, which is why Bridgestone tires are built for just that. Whether it's driving up to 50 miles to safety after a flat, confident control in wet conditions, or the dependability of an 80,000-mile limited warranty, Bridgestone's roster of tires has got you covered. Bridgestone, official tire of the Cleveland Browns. Conditions apply. Log on to BridgestoneTire.com slash warranty for details. I want to take you to this this current carnation of the Browns. And we were talking earlier, and I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. There are some similarities to this group, to the group that you were with early in your career. You've got a tandem of running backs that could easily each go for a thousand. You've got the good, young, exciting quarterback. Mm -hmm terrific core of receivers and a defense that's ready to play. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do, do you see any similarities at all between your Browns as they were on the brink of exploding to this team? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, all those things you just mentioned. Um, young team, lots of talent. For us, it, it was, you know, it was, it was about us going out and finding, you know, what kind of team we were. Um, we started out as a running team. We developed into a, um, a passing team that could run. Mm -hmm. um, it, I, it's, it's exciting because I've had a ton of phone calls from Browns alumni wanting tickets, wanting to know when they can come to a game. Um, they see the similarities, and now they want to see them perform. Yeah. So. And there was a stretch where that wasn't always the case. That's true. That's true. Um, it's exciting for for former players because we know they're they're on the brink. They're they're they have the tools. It's just all about how they're going to come together in training camp and, and perform on uh, 
on Sundays doing what's what's their ceiling do you think this year I don't know I mean I, I think they have a chance to be really really good this year a lot better than most people think um, and and there are expectations so that's saying something yeah uh, I don't like to I don't like to make predictions and put pressure on sure, people right. uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if we were in the playoffs this year Wow do you remember when, when you were going through that transformation here from that 8-8 eight eight first round loss in the playoffs to where you're making deep runs in the playoffs? What, was, what changed with the mindset of the football team? Not necessarily the talent, but what was going on in the locker room that was different? Um, let's see. That was my, my rookie year. We'd go to Miami. I think if we played anywhere else other than Miami where the temperature was a little cooler, yeah. we win. Really? We melted in Miami in the second half. Mm -hmm. But we played hard. Um, and we were a running team. We, we still hadn't developed into that you know, overall balanced offense. Mm -hmm. um, I think if we had, had won that game, who knows where we would have ended up. Really? I mean, I, I, I just think it would have propelled us a little bit more in the later years. Uh, like when we ran, ran up against Denver, we'd have probably been a better team, a well-balanced team. You know, we were still growing as a team in 85 yeah. because it was just two running backs that were running the ball, you know, on offense, offensively, and we had a great defense. Um, man, um, it's kind of hard to say. I, you know, it's, it's kind of weird when people talk about stuff like that. When they talk about, you know, what was it like when you were here, um, it's kind of hard to tell people. You know, you, the best way I describe it is that like my first five years in Cleveland, we were in the playoffs every year. Yeah. It, it's hard for younger people to, to kind of yeah. grasp it. It's settled for one year. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? It's like, yeah, my first five years here, we were in the playoffs. So You were spoiled. We were, we yeah. were, we were. Uh, we didn't take it for granted, though. Yeah. We didn't take it for granted. What's your take on Baker? Uh, I like him. He's cocky. He, he's got a lot of energy. Is that a good thing? Uh, I think so. Um, I haven't seen him, uh, you know, use it in a negative way. You know, so you want your quarterback to be out there and be, you know, some confidence. Sure. Um, a lot of people don't realize Bernie was a really confident guy. He, he, you know, he didn't display it the way Baker does. Yeah. Uh, but very confident, knew what he was doing, knew what everybody else around him was doing. Um, sometimes he, he would change things up and you know, you'd go, okay, what made you do that? Then it would be perfect. It'd be great. So. I, I think, you know, we, we might be seeing a little bit of that return of that in Baker. So uh, that could be good. Could be very How about good. the running backs? Uh, really excited about the running backs. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> uh, you know, I always, I always like to look at those guys, see how they are. Sure. Uh, it was a little bit scary, though, uh, spoken to Nick a couple times, and it's like, dude, just reminds me of me too much when I was really there. just quiet guy. Gets his work done. Strong, can run. Uh, it's, a little, it's, a, it's a little weird, Jay. It's like, okay. But that could be a very good thing. Yeah, yeah. That could uh, be a very good thing. 
Do you He's find, a great kid. Do you find yourself, because he reminds you of a young Kevin Mack, do you find yourself wanting to almost serve in a role of mentor to him to help him guide his way through this maze we call the NFL? Um, that would be a nice thing, but, you know, everybody has to kind of learn their own way. If, if you know, if he ever comes to me and asks me, hey, you know, how was it when you played? Do you see anything that I could do? Well, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd offer advice to him. But, yeah. You know, it's a different game these days, so I, I try not to interfere. Physically, the there are similarities. That, that there yeah. really are. Yeah, he, um, his, his skill set is very similar oh, to yours. Uh, first few times I saw him run, I was like, oh, my God. Hey, and he, he breaks through the line. It's like I was like, somebody better catch this guy. He's gone. <laughs> uh, We're hoping I, no one does. <laughs> right, right, right. Give us that clutch performance. Run he, to the end zone. He's just real, a real nice guy. Uh, and it was kind of weird the first couple times I met him. He doesn't say much. I doesn't say much. So yeah. I was like, okay, who's gonna start this conversation? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. So we have cool Mac, We could have Mac Truck Jr. here. <laughs> Let me ask you about some of uh, some of your old teammates, just sort of rapid fire. I'll throw out a name. You give me the first thing that comes to your mind. If there's a funny story about this player, we'd love to hear it. If there's an embarrassing story about that player, even better. Okay, all right. Ernest Biner. Uh, hell of a guy, great guy, uh, great leader. Uh, definitely one of my best friends, uh, even to this day. Wow. Uh, we stay in touch. What he, was your thought when he got his ring? I wanted to ask you that. I thought it was great. You know, um, it, it was good to see somebody from, from the teams that, that, we, uh, that, that we were on. You, know, you, you hate to see guys wearing a different uniform, but, mm -hmm. you know, it was great to see him, you know, reach that pinnacle of, of getting a Super Bowl ring. Sure. Even though we weren't able to do it here in Cleveland. Um, it, it, you know, it always kind of warms your heart to see yeah. another guy accomplish some things that uh, that we weren't able to accomplish. You know, um, is he good today with with the fumble? Is he? Is I he think he's good with at it. At peace you know, with it. Um, when he's around, it, we never talk about it. Yeah. Um, I think I've only heard him talk about it with a group of guys who were on that team maybe once. Right. And that's been years ago. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I'm could, pretty could, sure he's good. Was it, is it, when I look back at how he handled it publicly, I just remember that all I could think of was class. Yeah. Um, can you imagine anybody handling that kind of setback any better than the way Ernest handled it? At no, least publicly? No. I mean, I think I would have probably hid out somewhere for a couple of months before I showed my face, but you know, that's just me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he did a great job. I mean. I can't imagine anybody doing a better job. Yeah, Bernie Kosar. <clears throat> Great guy. Uh, Bernie's, uh, you know, he's another guy who's still here in Cleveland. Uh, he, he he's in and out of facility all the time, so I get to I get to see Bernie either at the facility or here at the stadium. Um, every now and then we'll get together, we we'll go out to dinner or yeah. on somebody's birthday or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's doing great. He was one of the more physically unassuming stars of the NFL at that time. Yeah, he was, yeah. What, what, you knew, I'm sure, who he was and what he brought to the table. But there had to be moments when you saw him in that first training camp where you said to yourself, 
this guy can't do this at this level. There's no way. Uh, you know, the throwing motion, you know. The running. The running. <laughs> I didn't want to throw it. lack of running. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it was kind of weird because we would be in the huddle, and if, if it was a pass play, we all would look at, because the, the, the backs and receivers are in the back row, offensive line in the front row. He'd call the play, and we'd all look at each other. The first few times that, you know, we got to know him and he was running plays with us, we all look at each other and say, make sure he doesn't have to run. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, get open, make sure he doesn't have to run. No. And um, it, it was just kind of amazing how things developed. It's like, you know, we, we never really put him in a situation where he had to run the ball. Uh, and I was always kind of a, a, a safety valve. Sure. So I'm always like, BK, BK, Last, over yeah, here. Right. I'm open. <laughs> uh, he but, had yeah. to be as smart as he was because he wasn't gifted physically. He, was, uh, he knew where every, receive, every possible receiver he had, he knew where they were at. If he had to get rid of the ball, he knew who he could throw it to or, or where the guy Did was. Did you play with a smarter quarterback in your time? No. Um, very comparable to Steve Young. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Steve was a very smart guy also. Webster Slaughter. Webstar. <laughs> Webstar. Um, you're talking about a guy who has changed totally and completely from when he was a football player How? to now. Um, Webb was a little flamboyant, I'll put it that way, <laughs> when he was here playing. Uh, and now he's quiet, understated? You wouldn't believe it. I can't imagine you, that. You, can, you would not believe it. Uh, really? He was here uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and then also, you know, when I was living in Houston, he was there also. Um, just the, his whole demeanor, way he way he carries himself now, things he does, um, you'd have never thought he was a football player or, or wow. play the game of football. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Ozzie Newsom. Uh, great guy. Uh, uh, he's gotten everything he deserves. I'm happy for him. I'm glad he, he's gotten the opportunity to uh, be the GM and, and stuff in Baltimore. Uh, so I know now, now he's retiring and he's still kind of a special assistant. Yeah. Um, did you have any idea he was that kind of football smart on personnel? Uh, actually, I did not. And it's kind of funny because Ozzy and I have the same uh, agent. <laughs> and this guy would talk about Ozzy all the time. He, he, he'd talk about, you know, Ozzy and things he's doing and, and what he's going to do and, and all this stuff. Uh, so I kind of knew he had everything lined up and everything in place in, in the program or, or, or should I say a script he wanted to follow. Yeah, he, he had the ambition. Playing. And he, he did it. He, he followed it to the team and it worked out for him. Yeah. So great for him. Is there a player that I haven't brought up that you want to speak about from those years? Uh, let's see. That's, I guess probably the one guy. Eh, that's I shouldn't say the one. There's a few guys. There. It's, it's, I look back and there's so many guys that still here from that team. Yeah. Uh, and Brian Brenner. It's probably one of the one of the guys I see the most, uh, hang out with the most, you know, play golf with the most is uh, Reggie Langhorn. Really. <clears throat> um. We're both in the same part of town. Right. He's right around the corner. Uh, 
actually, I, I moved a little further away from where I initially was when I was here as a player. Yeah. He's in the same spot in the, that when he was. Yeah. Uh, but talking about a down-to-earth guy, he grew up in Virginia. Yeah, just somebody that reminds me of, of, of the people I grew up with yeah. in my hometown. Right. Um, good old Southern boys that all we want to do is, uh, you know, get out and enjoy ourselves. Uh, we don't cause any problems with anybody and, you know, stay friends. You know, we're, we're, we're really good friends that we do a lot of stuff together with our wives and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Were you guys close when you were playing? Uh, probably no. Has no. that developed post-career? Yeah, it developed post-career. Not as close as when we were playing. We were friends then, but uh, it's probably developed more now. Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely more now. But uh, it... it it, it just, you know, I think about it, I keep thinking about it, it's like, you know, there's guys from that 86 team that are still here, uh, or even that 80s era that are still here. Yeah. Um, that a lot of people don't realize are still here. Right, right. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Guys still, still love Cleveland. Well, Kevin, I want to say thank you very much for joining us on Club 46, driven by Bridgestone. It's great to catch up with you. You look great. I know you're having fun with the Browns now. Continued success to you. Ah, thank you, Jay. Thanks for listening to this week's Club 46 podcast driven by Bridgestone. If you'd like to listen to more of these podcasts, log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, join us as we go one-on-one with former NFL MVP Brian Sype. For Kevin Mack, I'm Jay Crawford. Thanks for listening.